right. It is episode seven. It's been a while since I've launched another podcast episode and the Lord has just been stirring a lot within me and showing me a lot of really cool things. So I was waiting for the right time to kind of share. But today's episode, I really want to focus a lot on just more on the topic of abundance and what he has for us. And hopefully it will bring us to a place where um, it heightens our senses to what he has in store for us as his children and what it actually means for us to have our inheritance in him and in heaven since scripture says we've been seated in the heavenly places with him. So we're going to start reading Ephesians 2. It says, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath, But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we are dead in transgressions. It is by grace that you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace, expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it's the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So what does it mean to be seated in the heavenly places with Christ? We just ask Holy Spirit right now that you come We know that you're here, Jesus, and I pray that your truth would be spoken. And you're so good, Lord. You're so much better than we could ever know or imagine right now in this moment. Would you open up our spirits, Father? Would you help us not try to reason through everything or think logically through everything, but experience your spirit in our hearts and in our spirits? So yeah, what does it mean to be seated in the heavenly realms with Jesus? That's a powerful statement. And I think one thing we really have to grab hold of is that the gospel has been reduced in the last, I don't know, 50 or 100 years to the fact that Jesus just died for our sins. And it's this transaction rather than an act of love. And really, yes, he died for our sins so that we'd be able to be brought into Christ, brought into the Trinity. But that's the thing is that was just a a small part of it. 
I think the main reason why Jesus died for us is so that we could be raised and seated into the heavenly places with him. It was an act of love. It was an act of communion. It was an act of bringing up his bride to be seated by his side in the heavenly places, even while we're on earth. That's not, I mean, yes, that's pertaining to eternity, but that's also pertaining to right now in this very moment. If we look at scriptures, it says that Jesus was translocational, meaning he could be in multiple places at once. There are scriptures that talk about how he would walk through crowds and it said that people would not be able to lay their hands on them. That's not like uh, they were trying and they couldn't get to him. No, they literally were trying to touch him and their hands went through him because he was transparent. So Jesus walked in this power. And the thing is, is that Jesus was raised so that we could walk in the same power because we are his bride and we are his heirs. We're co-equals with him. And one time I heard someone say, why would the Lord choose a bride for Jesus that is not equal with him? And just let that sink in for a second. I was kind of wrecked and in a little bit of unbelief when I first heard that, but it's true. The Lord calls us to not be unequally yoked. So why would he call his son to be unequally yoked? No, he seated us in the heavenly places with Christ, meaning we can do all of the things that Jesus does. And that is not, that's not an, an act of pride. It's an act of grace. The scripture in Ephesians 2 says that it is by grace that we have been saved. It's God's work. And so if we're not stepping into that, into the truth that we are seated with Christ in the heavenly places, well, then it's kind of like a slap in the face to God. <laughs> Sorry, I don't like saying that, but re- this is why Jesus came. And so what are we doing with that? He literally, Jesus gave his life so that we could have this kind of life with him. And the thing is, that's so sad is that the gospels become so boring. People are walking away from the church. People want nothing to do with Jesus because the gospel's so, it's so boring. People are bored with it. And for good reason, because we're not walking in the power and the grace of God that he originally intended for us to do. And I've been reading this book by John Crowder. It's about the mystics. And that word gets, first of all, a really bad rap. It's actually a biblical word. And the word mystic is really just connected to the word mystery, which is found in scripture. One verse is Colossians 2.20. It says, For my hope is that their hearts may be encouraged as they are knit together in unselfish love so that they may have all the riches that come from the full assurance of understanding the joy of salvation, resulting in a true and more intimate knowledge of the mystery of God, that is Christ. Again, in 1 Timothy 3.9, it says, By upholding and fully understanding the mystery, that is the true doctrine of the Christian faith, with a clear conscience resulting from behavior consistent with spiritual maturity. And there's more verses too, but these are just examples of 
the word mystery, the mystery of God is found in scripture. And mystics really are just people, it's just a term that describes people who seek out the mystery of God. And I've heard people say, well, how can we even begin to know the mystery of God? Isn't that just pointless? He's so big, he's so grand. And that's kind of a a cop-out thing to say because Scripture also says in Proverbs 25, 2, that it's the glory of God to conceal a matter, but to search out a matter is the glory of kings. And so the Lord, there's this mystery to him that he loves. He loves pursuit. He loves pursuing us, but he also loves being pursued. And so there are times like there's so many things about him that he loves to conceal just to see how we can approach him in hunger and wanting more intimacy wanting to know more of him so that he can give us those answers so that he can show us who he really is it's he's about experience and the thing is is that the Bible, it's its a beautiful thing. The Bible is powerful. But when we read it, we're meant to experience it. I feel like, I feel like, again, the gospel has been reduced to, well, we have the Bible. We have everything that God's already said throughout history to other people. And so we can just read about that. But No, like the Lord wants to experience you and have an experience with you daily because there's more for us now. And again, we need to live our lives by the word because there's power and there's truth in that. And that is our truth. But also we're lacking experience with God. I think the church is really lacking experience with God and that just ties into being bored, how people are really bored in the church, how people don't really want to come to Jesus because they see that we're bored. So why would they want Jesus? So anyways, going back to the book, I'm reading this book about these people throughout history who have had these literally crazy experiences with Jesus simply because they were seeking him and super hungry for him. For example, there's this one saint called Teresa of Avila, and I'm pretty sure this is the right one, but she lived off of communion for 12 years. That's all she ate. And the Lord sustained her, and she had just as much energy as anyone else did. People tried to give her food, but she had this conviction in her spirit to only live off of communion because the Lord encountered her in a powerful way, showing her that he was her supply, that he was her energy source. And the amazing thing about that is with fasting in particular, like what she did and like what people have done throughout history is that Jesus doesn't need food. (laughs) The thing is, is that food is a beautiful thing, but he is in constant communion with the Trinity, and that is his source of life. He said while he, he was on earth, he said to his disciples that he has food that they do not know of, and his food is to do the will of the Father who sent him. That literally gave him energy. It was literally his supply. And so, again, if he did that, it's the same for us. Because again, we're seated in the heavenly places with Christ. And why would he give his life 
for us without giving us his full life. I hope this makes sense. So when he laid down his life, he didn't just give us part of his power. He gave us all of his power. He gave us all of his life because he desperately wants us to experience the fullness of life with him. So that means that we get to translocate. That means that we get to fast and be fully filled in his communion because we are now in the Trinity with Christ because we are in Christ and he is in us. All of heaven lives in us. I know this is kind of a far out topic. This is not something that the church talks about, but it's lacking. The church needs to talk about this because especially in this day and age, there's so much negativity. I see so many believers getting caught up in all the fear of the moment and all the fear of the end times. The thing is, is that talking about the end times was never meant to be a fearful thing. It was never meant to be this doom and gloom thing. No, the end times is when the church, when the bride is going to rise up and be filled with visions, with power, which will bring many to the Lord is through the power. And scripture talks about this in Joel 2.28. It says, and it shall come to pass that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, your old men shall dream dreams, your, your young men shall see visions. And it says the same exact thing in Acts 2.17. After Pentecost, they say, again, it shall come to pass in these last days, says God, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, your young men shall see visions, your old men shall dream dreams. And I believe it's mentioned twice in scripture, maybe even more times. Because it's it's not just for a particular time necessarily. It's, it's for all time. And especially in the last ages, I believe. Because now is the time where the world needs to see the bride rise up in power. Because there are people, there are nations, groups of people that are not going to come to know Jesus without power. They need to see miracles. They need to see healing. They need to see that we can translocate. They need to see that we can speak in tongues. They need to see that God's real because the gospel isn't boring. It's real and it's full of power. And just how God moved through power in these people in the Bible and in Pentecost and through Paul and Peter, and they performed miraculous things. And that is for us now. And I'm tired of people saying that that is just, that was for then. Well, why? Give me one good reason why this isn't for us too. That's such a cop out. And I'm sorry. <laughs> I feel like I'm, I'm sounding insensitive, but I'm so tired of these excuses for the church. And this is what it comes down to. Is if this is something that you want. If this is something that the church wants, because this is something we've rejected, do you want to perform miracles? Do you want to accept the fact that all of heaven lives in you, meaning anything is possible for you, meaning you can be in two places at once? There are stories of people 
God literally transported them to another country to preach the gospel. And there is a group of people there waiting for them because God told this group of people that someone was going to come preach the gospel to them. And they spoke the gospel and then God located them back to their home. These things are possible, and it's time that we wake up and walk in these these things because the world needs to see this. We are not meant to be captive to fear. We're meant to be captive to power and the Holy Spirit and intimacy with Jesus. And that's the thing is it starts. It's all about intimacy with Jesus. If we want complete intimacy with Jesus, we have to receive the fullness of life he has to offer. We can't reject parts of that. We have to receive all of it because when we reject parts of it, we're allowing unbelief in ourselves to take over. And if you want this, if you want this sort of life with Jesus, he will give it to you and he will open these doors. There's doors (laughs) that are wide open to us and we just need to walk through in faith. And it might happen in an instant, it might happen over time, but the thing is, is that the Lord responds to a hungry heart. So even if we have to wait a little bit, he will respond. Oh, Jesus, we just pray for an increase of faith. We repent right now, Jesus, for our unbelief. Help us with our unbelief. We pray for a deeper hunger. We pray for greater faith, Lord Jesus. Not just for ourselves, but for the world. Because the world needs to see you and who you truly are and everything that you can truly do. Because we know you can do it on your own, but we're your messengers and you want us to do it. If we don't step into this, who's going to? No one. No, it's the people of God that's called to step into these things. And I'm also tired of people saying that, oh, I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy of God's love. I'm not worthy of whatever it is. That is a a lie from the pit of hell. And it's literally discounting the death and the resurrection of Jesus and why he was resurrected. So it's time that we get over that false humility because it's gross and it has no place in the church. And that's not humility. That's false humility. It's from the enemy. It's not from Jesus. No, you are worthy. Jesus died for you. At least give him that. (laughs) He died for us. So we are worthy. We have to believe him for that. You are worthy of a life with more. More than you're currently experiencing. The thing is, is that we can, we can stay where we're at right now. We can stay in the status quo. We can allow the culture to shape the gospel. We can allow the culture to shape the church. But that's going to be really boring and not exciting. And we're just going to get wrapped into all the fear of the politics, all the fear of everything going on. And we're just going to be like everyone else. And that sounds pretty miserable to me. No, you are worthy of more. You're worthy of a joyful life. You are worthy... (laughs) of touching poisonous things and nothing happening to your body. You are worthy of telling a mountain to move and it will move. 
you are worthy of seeing angels and being ministered to by angels because that's just another realm too that people are really scared of the thing I mean I was too but the thing about angels is that they're just another sphere of God's love and of his authority and power in the earth they're his messengers there's this realm all around us that we haven't tapped into but if we ask the Lord can give us wisdom and show us what's going on and it's actually an incredible ministry to know and see what angels are doing because they're always doing the Lord's business and they're always about what God's doing and they they're always worshiping him and loving him and so it's a way for us to partner with them and what God's doing whether it be in praying over someone and seeing what the angels are doing around them how they're ministering to them or whatever it may be and so there's all these things that we need to tap into so I apologize if I'm sounding harsh at all I'm just wanting to call us higher into greater things because we don't need to be bound by fear. We can be bound by love and power, knowing that God is able to do immeasurably more than we could ever ask or imagine. We need to wrap our heads around these scriptures. And I pray, it's my prayer that as we read about people in the Old Testament and New Testament that He opens our eyes to see the power and the visions and the intimacy that these people had with the Lord. Enoch, for example, it's such a small scripture in Genesis that talks about him, but look him up and read it because it says he walked with God and then he was no more. Meaning that God literally just took him away to heaven in his body he was able to bring his body he didn't even taste death he just walked into heaven with god because of how close he was to the lord and how he understood god now he understood everything that god was capable of and could do there's other people that have experienced this as well throughout history we just don't talk about them but it's possible and that's possible for you that's possible for me And I don't know what this conception is about it's not possible for us today. Where does that lie come from? Because it's not true. Jesus isn't saying that. God's the same yesterday, today, and in the future. And so why would God hand out these gifts, these things to people from back in the day and not to us, especially since we live in the resurrection power of Jesus? I would even say that we have greater ability to walk in his power than those other people because we're part of the new covenant with God. And because of Jesus, again, we're seated in the heavenly places with God. So I know this wasn't a super long episode, but I hope that it was encouraging. (laughs) This was not meant to be a discouragement at all but an encouragement to just ask Jesus for more and to believe for more. Jesus, again, would you expand our faith? Would you help us step outside of our own logical reasoning 
into your spirit of wisdom that pours out wisdom and grace into our lives to show us all the things that are possible, Lord. You know, I'm working on my thesis right now. I'm getting my master's in nutrition and a master's in integrative medicine research, and I graduate in June. And I was so discouraged this week because I'm looking at my thesis and I'm thinking, God, (laughs) how do I do this? And it was so encouraging because he told me, he said, Carly, I'm going to deposit information into your mind that will guide you in writing your thesis. And it's so cool because one way we can tell the difference between us trying to work for our salvation or trying to work for intimacy with Jesus or gaining these things that we already have access to because he lives in us and grace just receiving his grace is that works makes us feel like it's all up to us like we're trying super hard and then we get burdened we get burnt out and the enemy wants us to carry those burdens from one day to the next so then we we just get burnt out it's this cycle of unbelief because we're looking at ourselves and our own capabilities, our own carnal capabilities. But grace opens our minds to see, oh, right, all of heaven lives in me. And so this isn't me. There's definitely a level of, again, seeking things out. The Lord says to ask, to seek, to knock. And so there's actions to the asking. We do have to seek him out. But we get to seek him out with the fullness of joy and knowing that everything is already ours. And it's just seeking out that mystery, knowing that he's going to show us and he's going to do it for us. The Lord gives us good gifts. He always gives us good gifts. So when we know his love, we know that he's good. And if he's good, he only gives us good gifts because he sees us as worthy. We're worthy with him. And we're seated with him. He wants his sons and daughters to walk in these things. He wants us to be illuminated in the world. To be, we are geniuses because we have the mind of Christ. And so he desperately wants us to walk in these things for our sake, but also for the world's sake. Because the world needs to see an illuminated and a powerful bride. And so we get to ask him for these things. So again, I just encourage us this week in your time with the Lord or when you're driving or whatever you're doing, ask Jesus, Lord, give me a hungry heart for more of these things, for more of you. I want more. It's a call to repentance, to repent from these old cycles of thinking, thinking that there's a limit, thinking that there's a glass ceiling. There's not. The only glass ceiling is our own minds and our own unbelief. And the Lord can shatter that in an instant. So Jesus, shatter our unbelief. We have faith, Jesus, that what you say in your word is true for us. We receive that, Father. Help us. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And it's, again, my prayer that this was an encouragement. And I'm excited to see you or talk to you soon.